3: Welcome in here, one o'clock hour, phone number 913-586-7798. Yeah, Dana Park's coming up an hour from right now. Um, Here's what I'm gonna put out there as I totally go squirrel for half a second. Um, As you are finding out details about school districts and their plans for the 14th next week, if there were to be a Super Bowl parade. We appreciate you letting us know. Somebody let us know earlier uh, that works for the Olathe School District, and then I saw this uh, in a couple other places, that because of the number of snow days that Olathe has had already this year, too bad, so sad, even if there is a parade, they will be in session on that. Like they, That's what you're gonna have now. School districts are gonna say, you will be in class that day.
4: Bunch of killjoys.
3: <laughs> it's like do you want to go to school in july uh-huh. or do you want to be out in may
4: yeah uh, is the question so how many cases of the 24-hour flu do you think we're going to see in olathe come next right. wednesday if if indeed things work out to plan
3: I don't know how many personal days teachers get a year, <laughs> how many sick days they get. They do get some days outside of just the, the planned breaks. Yeah. Oh, that's what, that's, that's what I thought about was, it's the teachers that, um, like there are only so many substitutes available that day uh, to fill in. So there, there will be, yeah, I wonder what attendance is gonna be like that day. <laughs> I mean, it'll be an unexcused absence, but they probably let you have a couple. What was it? The day
4: after New Year's, Colin, that we came in here and you and I were like the only human beings in the building. (laughs) I think it's going to be like that. We've had a few of those days. Typically, it's all the holiday stuff. Right.
3: Yes. So let us know about that. We are finding out where the teams are going to go for the post Super Bowl parties in Las Vegas. We can get to some of that coming up here uh, a little bit later as well. Uh, but first we go to the story about this uh, snowboarder.
4: Yeah. This, this is a guy by the name of Pat Milberry, who, if you know the snowboarding world, you probably know his name uh, and has something of a reputation and was in Colorado. And the worst thing happened. You got to figure if you do that, if that's your deal, if you're a, like a competitive snowboarder, you spend a lot of time in places where there's high mountains and a lot of bad weather. And that was one of the things that happened. Uh, he was driving his Toyota, and then there was all of a sudden. This is again in Colorado. There was a snowstorm already going on, but there was one of those giant gusts of wind, and there was uh, you know a, a snow that that was like a blinding thing, and all of a sudden felt the car felt the tires go off the pavement, and had that moment of okay. I I'm out of control now. And he said he wasn't going that fast, but it didn't make any difference. I mean, when the wind blows your car off the road, you're going with it. And it was that moment of, okay, I, I can't panic. What do I do? How am I going to work this? And he kind of credited his snowboarding training with leading him to do what he did was, which was effectively turn into the skid and just ride it.
3: Yeah. The story says cars that leave the so-called million dollar highway often roll for hundreds of feet and few people survive that. And so he knew that, and he knew he shouldn't hesitate and fight to get the truck back on the road that would likely roll the forerunner. And once that started, he'd be in trouble. He probably wouldn't be able to survive.
4: Nothing you can do. Sure.
3: Yeah. So he said, I jerk my wheels as hard as I can. And it drops me into a 30 degree pitch and I aired off the side of the road and bounced into deep snow and started gaining speed. Now, at this point, he's,
4: uh, he, again, he's effectively snowboarding down this mountain in a Toyota 4Runner. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Which that's is built for that. Not a position you want to be in. And, and w- the worst part about it is, With a lot of the mountains in Colorado, if you're not on something that is already a ski slope, you're in the trees. And that's Mm -hmm. where he ended up. I mean, his car, both sides of it got smashed in really badly, and he ended up going nose first into a tree. And that's what finally stopped him from coming down the mountain. But the thing is, he never lost complete control. He didn't roll, like you mentioned, and the, the car was upright when it hit. So he was able to survive the way you would be able to survive any crash.
3: Yeah, he describes it as, um, he said it's a weird highway of trees and they're almost like bowling pins bouncing him back and forth impacting each side of the car at one point he couldn't see the snow was so deep the snow was over his windshield so he can't see either at some point finally the snow comes off his windshield so he can see again and he says i don't even want to see because there's nothing i can do except just he says (laughs) i i keep trying to pump the brakes and that doesn't really do anything yeah and he said i see the two trees in front of me they're 100 feet away and i'm like okay aim for those you've got to stop this car somehow Oh
4: wow. And he survived. Yeah, I mean, you know, bumps yeah. and bruises, same as you would expect in a in a wreck like that. But he said when that wind hit him that drove him off the road originally, he was going about seven miles an hour. That's it. Wow. So he wasn't driving recklessly. This wasn't a situation where, you know, he did anything that was his fault. He just got into a situation where nobody could have Nobody could have maintained that car on the road where he wanted it to be. So if he can't do that, I mean, I will give him all the credit in the world simply for not panicking.
3: Yeah. Uh, The Colorado State Patrol gave the Colorado Sun reports from this area of U.S. 550 uh, over a 10-year period that ended last year. There were 143 car accidents in that stretch. Um, there were eight of those wrecks resulted in fatalities, 38 involved injuries. He was right in the middle of this section where those fatalities happened. And you talk about some of these fatalities. There was one year that a car left the road, went 51 feet in the air. A few years ago, a fatal crash at mile marker 89 was not discovered for six days. There was another car traveled 202 feet in the air after slipping off the pavement. A car rolled for five, uh, excuse me, for 458 feet, right about where he was a few years ago. Oh, wow.
4: And he made it through simply because he kept his head about him and used what he knew about the dynamics of snow and sliding down it really, really fast.
3: So that got us talking a a, a little bit. And now you've driven,
4: famously, you took a year and drove around the country. I would imagine you probably ran into some nasty weather and some dangerous roads. In that time or in any other time, have you gone off the road?
3: Not significantly. Um, I have slid off the road because of ice. Admittedly, I have fallen asleep behind the wheel. And I have dozed like you do that thing where you suddenly luckily um, rumble strips on the side of the road, they work, work, um, (laughs) and wake you up. But I mean, I remember being, uh, let me get my direction straight in the Eastern stretch of Iceland. I'm on a single lane road on a mountainside in the fog, no guardrail. Was it one of the switchbacks where it goes Um, down a little and then
4: you make the U-turn and then down a little. And
3: yeah. And it's one lane. Oh. So, if someone's coming at you, you can't see it because of fog, and there's nothing you can do about it, and there's no guardrail. Um, you just kind of hope, and at one point, I think I found the first place to turn around and said, "I got to get out of this. I, this I can't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm built for a lot of that, but not this. Switchbacks,
4: uh, switchback roads like that look great in James Bond movies, <laughs> but but in reality, they're they're not a lot of fun. Yeah, mine. Um, it, I have on my lip on the right side of my top lip the, you can't see it, but I can feel it. Is there is a knot there? It's uh, maybe the size of uh, a BB. The inside and the reason that's there is because when i was very young and stupid i let a friend of mine drive my mom's car and that was a bad idea because like i said we were young and dumb and bored and in the middle of the night where we lived in the middle of nowhere in florida it wasn't much to do so we put the convertible top down and went out and had this bb rifle <laughs> mm-hmm. and thought you know shooting street signs is fun It really isn't. But like I said, when you're that bored, it it seems like a good time. And so my buddy Walt was driving and I was sitting in the passenger seat of the car with the rifle out the window, just, you know, plunking off street signs and things like that. And there was nobody, right? There's nothing else to hit. So, Mm -hmm. okay, fine. And went, took aim. And I mean, we were going probably 55, 60 miles an hour. And I took aim at a sign and the sign was one of those left-hand curve signs. And the little sign underneath it said, 15 miles an hour. And I went, hey, Walt, how fast we going? And at that moment, um, and the curiosity to this or the the added irony is that on the stereo at that time was the song uh, Misty Mountain Hop by Led Zeppelin. As we went off the six-foot embankment, The line over the hills where the spirits fly was coming Uh out of the speakers as we were in the air. And when we hit, the butt of the rifle came back and smacked me in the face. And that's why, to this day, I still have a knot in my upper
3: lip. I've been really (laughs) lucky. Let me knock on whatever I can find. Um, I've yet to have a really, really bad wreck ever. Now, I've been... And I've told these stories on the air. I mean, the car—the car that I have right now, that I've only owned for four years, is about to go through its fourth round of repairs to the front bumper from being hit. Yeah, because it was just hit again a few weeks ago. I—I've I, never had luck like this in a car in my entire life.
4: Well, yeah, and and the, by the way, we drove the convertible out of that ditch it actually made its way out and now it had some damage that we didn't know about yet but you know your the car that's at your mom's the mustang
3: uh was yeah she got rid of it but yeah oh, oh
4: did she really okay <laughs> it was that it was an 83 mustang convertible so, okay. yeah, I mean, it, it was not the biggest thing in the world, but uh, yeah, and it was the same thing. I mean, by the time he figured out we're going off of this thing one way or the other, the better idea at that point was just turn into it and keep it flat. And it ended up working. But oh man, I will never forget how
3: hard that hit. So even if it wasn't a wreck, what are your stories of going on? I, I'm sure there are stories of people that fell asleep and and what woke you as you were drifting off the side of the road Slide and was it off. ever too late yeah
4: yeah did, did you get there yeah 9135867798 those times and and how did you i mean did you in fact panic or did you have that moment of okay this is coming i need to think i need to think now and get it done and and end up saving yourself because of it
3: 9135867798 back with your stories next on KMBZ so what situation Have you had where you went off the road, went off the side of the road? I I feel like it's most common with people that doze, that fall asleep, or you're trying to avoid something. You're trying to avoid a deer. You're trying to do something like that.
4: Without doubt. We'll get to your stories. If you want to jump in, 913-586-7798. We'll start in Overland Park. Hi, Janice. Hi, how are you? Doing fine. What happened?
0: Well, I had been on a road trip with a friend and dropped him off down in Oklahoma City, and then I headed back to Kansas City, and I was just a little ways out of Oklahoma City when I dozed off on I-35, and I had a minivan, and um, it was, again, the rumble strips that woke me up, and Scared me enough that I cranked it really hard and really fast to the right. Thank God I did, because I still went ahead and hit the cable on the left side. And you've never seen a side swipe so bad. I left my bumper on the highway. But because I cranked it so hard, it straightened me out. So instead of hitting that cable at a 45-degree angle... And my rear tires going on down, which would have flipped my car, and I would have rolled it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. But my car, it was a Toyota Sienna, and it was only a couple years old, and it was completely hosed. However, However, it was still drivable, and I was so out of it afterwards. I drove it back to Kansas city. My daughter told me to go back and pick up the bumper. I put it in the back seat and came on back.
4: Wow. So looking back on no it now, w- when you crank the wheel to the right, like that, looking back on it now, was that, in- mm-hmm. was that just instinct that made you do instinct. that? Or did you, yeah. Okay. You didn't even Absolutely think.
0: Absolutely. Instinct. Got it. Absolutely. Cause it's like my brain knew I'd hit the rumble strips. So I was not where I was supposed to be. Oof. And, Cranked it to the right. I mean, hard to the right.
4: Well, Janice,
0: the car out back in the lane. But.
4: Yeah, be be careful out there. Thank you for the story, yeah. and and you were right, Jamie. First one out of the box fell asleep.
3: Yeah, who avoided something? I want to <laughs> hear that story too. <laughs>
4: Definitely, and uh, maybe Alex and KCK's got one of those. Hey, Alex.
3: Hi hey guys, great show. Thank of you. Thank you for having me
5: on, and thinking about the driver hypnosis theorem that they had when I went through drivers, that way, way back, you know. Yeah. And you're supposed to, like, defocus, especially if you're driving at night, because you get hypnotized by the lines, the, you know, the lane divider lines. Sure. Anyhow, uh, I'm familiar with the I-35 stretch. Back in uh, the 60s and stuff, you know, there were a lot of two-lane parts of I-35 as you went to Southwest Kansas. In 1991, I was driving down to the farm to see my grandparents. It was very late at night. And I woke up after I'd been hypnotized. I'd landed in a pond just south of Gate Center and at 70 miles an hour, and went off the curb and landed in the pond. And when I finally got back up to the roadside, I was able to stop at a house. It was really late, nobody would answer. A sheriff came by, saw the car in the pond, came down the road looking to see if there was any survivors. And when he found me, he said, you know, normally when that happens, we just find the remains. We don't find a real person.
4: Oh, so you got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I I can confirm, uh, having been to Yates Center, Kansas, there's not a lot of exciting things to see as you're making that drive. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you you made it out as well as you did. So you you had no injuries at all?
5: No, I was heading to Fredonia We farmed in Kansas for years and years. Of course, now we've sold the farms because we're all old. But yeah, yeah. I, and the sad part of it was when they towed it out of the, the the, pond, Yeah. the sad part of it was that I had the stupidity to drive it back to my grandparents' house and bring up the engine because it was all full of water.
4: Yeah, they don't oh, like that.
5: <laughs> all yeah, right. Well,
4: yeah, your your body's the important part, Alex. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for the story. And another one, you know, drowsy, dr- hypnotized, drowsy, you know, mm-hmm. sleep, whatever. It's all going to lead to the same place.
3: Daydreaming. I've had that happen sometimes where you just, you know, your head just kind of goes off into space and suddenly you don't remember the last 10 miles.
4: Sure. Sure. All the time. Um, let's go to St. Joe and bring Mike into the mix next. Hey, Mike.
6: Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Good. Hey, I had a story I wanted to share. It's been about 20 years ago now. We had had a period of a lot of snow and a little bit of ice. And I live up in St. Joe and I had decided to stay with my girlfriend overnight because I didn't want to drive on the slick roads. But by the next morning, the sun had come out and the highway was nice and clear. In fact, it was dry. And so I was driving home uh, highway speed, about 70 miles an hour. And I came over a hill. And the sun had not melted completely, and so there was a sheet of black ice on the opposite (sighs) side of the hill. Yeah. And it was terrifying. I instantly lost control of my vehicle. And for some reason, in the middle of my terror, I also remembered some instructions my dad had gave me. He said, don't hit your brakes. You'll turn your tires into basically a sled, and you will start to slide. And he also had taught me not to over-counter-steer, over-correct. And so I just remember calmly putting my feet on the floor, grabbing the steering wheel, and hanging on for dear life because there was literally nothing I could do. 70 miles an hour, I was spinning circles down the interstate. Luckily, there was no traffic around me or I would have snagged them, too. And finally, my truck just backed into uh, the median, and the snow was deep enough that it caught me and brought me to a stop but it was it was terrifying, and I was very, very lucky that day. And it, it took me a number of years to be able to drive on the interstate again, and I'm still pretty wary about driving it when it's slick. Yeah, I was going to say, it when
4: was, when was the next time you slept after that? <laughs> I mean,
6: yeah, uh, yeah, you talk about uh, taking a whole bunch of Red Bulls. I mean, I, I was wired for quite a while. And, again, it you really kind of set off some panic attacks and some anxiety, and it took me a while to kind of rewire my brain to be able to – uh, drive safely again. It was, it was crazy. Never experienced anything like that uh, before or since, but uh, stuff happens, I guess. Yeah. But I was very lucky. Yeah.
4: Be safe out there. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, you think about how many times and how close we've all come.
3: Yes. Um, one more call. You pick. Stu,
4: uh, Steve in Overland Park up next. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. Great. Tell us what happened. So,
1: so I didn't get, I wasn't sleepy or drowsy. I was just being a knucklehead. Uh, I was on a motorcycle late at night um, just having fun. And I went to go get on 435 east or south out by the Legends, and I'm hitting that on-ramp real hard, and I realize I've misjudged which on-ramp I'm on. This one turns much sharper, and I'm not going to make it. So I just—I was lucky that in that, that split second, I sat the bike up and started getting on the brakes. I went right off into the grass, and I just go flying through that field towards uh, Nebraska Furniture March. And I keep <laughs> thinking to myself, I hope there's not a fence. I hope there's not a fence. Right. The bike's just bucking around and, 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 and trying to get it twisted. I'm throwing mud everywhere. I managed to fight the thing back onto the on-ramp without knocking it down, but I had mud caked up in the radiator all over the saddlebags. It was just a disaster. Wow. <laughs> now, was, was the bike still rideable after you got done? Yeah, I didn't hit a single bump or, or there was no ditch, no fence, no anything. Wow. It no damage to the bike. I just you know Just filthy. Yeah, I just I, I lost the seat cushion. I'd remember where that one ended up going right. <laughs> do you now do you still ride a motorcycle? Um, well, no, I don't. That the thing is that car seats don't fit well on motorcycles, so we had to make that change. <laughs> all right. I I've still got one in the garage. It's a project bike, it's a it's a nineteen eighty one C B one that at someday I'll get it all put back together, but right now it's it's all softball and fencing. Beautiful.
4: All right, man. Well, d- take care, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for the phone thanks, call. Steve. Yeah. Just recognize if you've done it, you're not the only one, but please don't do it again. Cause we can't afford to lose any listeners.
3: All right. Uh, thanks everybody for getting in here. Uh, coming up Cody tap from our sister station, 610 sports radio, spending the week out in Las Vegas, obviously ahead of the Super Bowl. Lots to talk about. We'll find out what's going on in Vegas coming up next year on KMBZ. Welcome back in here on a Thursday here on KMBZ as we count down the days. They are ticking away slowly, but we're getting closer to Super Bowl Sunday. Special guest to talk more about it.
4: No doubt. Cody Tapp from Cody and Gold on 610 Sports. Kind enough to join us. And Cody, I know this is becoming old hat for you, like being at a Super Bowl to watch the Chiefs. It's like an almost every year thing. But I can also imagine that this kind of excitement never gets old.
7: No, it doesn't. And I don't know why any fan base would not welcome this moment (laughs) where you're just going to be better than everybody and go to four Super Bowls in five years. And look, I've been fortunate enough. This is the third time I get to go. The COVID year would have been the only time that we got left out. So, no, I'm I'm fine. I can get used to it. If I'm used to it, that sounds good to me. Has it changed over the years? Is this year different than the years past? This one's different because it could complete a dynasty. So, What's funny is, like, the second one was the one that had less steam for me. The first one is like, wow, it's the first one. The second one was like, okay, yeah, I mean, another Super Bowl trip. Here we go. We're in Phoenix. This one is like you get to be immortalized. Immortalized is big in the NFL. You're going to be the 70s Steelers. You're going to be the 90s Cowboys. You're going to be the 2000 Patriots. It doesn't matter. Whichever decade, dynasty it is, I think that's what makes this one in particular kind of special. Because if you can complete it, you are in a different realm
4: no doubt well and thanks for bringing up the 90s cowboys really appreciate that buddy (laughs) (laughs) On, on that subject though i know you've had the chance to go around vegas a little bit uh you guys are staying off the strip which is probably a great idea but when you get there and when you get to like the nfl experience we talked a little bit about that on the air yesterday for for people who've never been to the super bowl explain what that is and what the fans get to do in the nfl experience
7: yeah it is a massive warehouse of stuff so if you want like the history they have like original footballs the lombardi trophy like the current lombardi trophy and a million other things that have taken place through history We can do it they always have autograph signings depending on what time of day of like famous players or even active nfl players will be down there and then there's all the event stuff for like kids so like they'll put a football in a jugs machine and you can catch a punt or you can run a 40 yard dash or you can do any of it i mean it it would probably take you if you start to finish and you try to do everything in there. I imagine you'd be there three or four hours because like between the, the doing the stuff in the lines and just like seeing the displays or checking out the stuff, they'll let you like lace a football, whatever, right? <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> no matter what it is, if, if you want to spend a few hours there, you're not going to have a problem.
3: Talk to us about how Las Vegas is doing hosting this Super Bowl for the first time and what it what it looks and feels like to be hosting the Super Bowl. It feels right. I mean, it's an entertainment capital, and this is an
7: entertainment city. I have done Radio Row now in Miami, Phoenix, Vegas, Minnesota, Houston, and San Francisco. This is the most natural fit. So, and some of it is just like, that's. I don't think it's an accident that this is the most largest media requested one ever. Yeah. Like, it's Vegas. You're down right here. You can pop across. Like, we're right near the Mandalay Bay, but you can pop across to the Bellagio if you want. People can bet inside of it. It feels, to me, it feels like a natural fit for Vegas. I think it's one of those, like if you just, like the old Pro Bowl, it's like the Super Bowl in Vegas every year. I don't think anybody would complain. (laughs)
4: Right. Uh, So while you're there, I mean, well, let's talk a little bit of X's and O's because part of being there to cover the game is being there, of course, to cover the players. And there's been a little bit of I mean, there was some Kadarius Tony audio that got out there. And of course, you know, he's causing a little bit of controversy here and there again. But when it comes to what's been going on, uh, certainly we've had the distraction with Patrick Mahomes Sr. getting into a little bit of trouble. What kind of things have been going on? What's the buzz on Radio Row?
7: So, you know, Kadarius Tony. He was interesting, you know. He called himself a number one wide receiver, but because he's such an unimportant player to what they do now, we just kind of brush it aside. We're like, "That's fine." He might, he probably won't even be active. So if he's if, if there's going to be a distraction, he doesn't play. He hasn't played. He hasn't been active in a postseason run because he's been injured. Now, not hurt. I'm still not sure he's even going to play. Well, let me let me interrupt so, you
4: there for a second too, and, and ask you: Is does the elevation of Sky Moore have anything to do with that?
7: No, I think that – so they're all kind of a long shot. Jarek McKinnon, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney. Sky Moore's probably got the best chance to play, but I think that's just mostly like keeping their options open. One thing that people forget about Andy Reid, this is what makes him a great coach, is Andy Reid will look at everything the San Francisco 49ers do, and if he has decided that there is a decided weakness with what they do in this particular package, and that's what Sky Moore does best, he'll activate him. He'll activate him for that one series, for those two plays, And if Sky Moore is active, you can pretty safely assume the ball is going to touch his hands like probably near the red zone at least once. But I think Sky's probably got the best chance to play, but I think there's a chance none of them do. And they do what they always do, which is throw to Rice, throw to, you know, give it to Pacheco, throw it to Kelsey and call it a day.
3: I want to ask kind of an inside baseball question for a second. I am impressed now. Uh, today's Thursday. So we've had three solid days of this where the players have to go before reporters. Yeah. Reporters have to think of more and more angles. You're there for a week. You've got to cover this for your station every single day. You're filling hours and hours and hours of radio. Have there been any questions or any answers coming out of those news conferences or those, those interviews? We're like, oh, yeah, that that's cool. That's creative. <laughs> So the ones that aren't creative are like, no one's got a fresh spin on the Taylor Swift
7: stuff. It's fine to ask about it, but (laughs) ask a new question. Like they asked, hey, have you listened to the music? Fine. Ask if she's got a lyric about it. You know, get the inside scoop. Let's dig in deeper a little bit. I think the things that impress me the most are when you're inside of the structure behind like how Shanahan and Andy Reid kind of work because Andy Reid doesn't want to, getting anything out of him is tough like admitting that this is a different experience or that the dynasty would mean something is tough. He's always been a look forward guy, not a look behind guy. So if you're going to get something out of him there, it becomes a challenge. I think that that's been the most interesting part for me. But honestly, the 49ers are probably a better quote. They're a little more, the the Chiefs are business-like. They show up, suit and tie, ready to get through this. And so sometimes in those, it's hard. You see these little one-on-one interview things, and, look, that's why for opening night, we had fun with it. Um, Tommy Townsend, the Chiefs punter, I asked him. He's single. He's in Kansas City. He's probably dated a little bit. My co-host is single. I'm asking him if he's got any advice for, like, how he should get in and out of the apps. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might as- nice you know, i might as well see if I can help him out.
4: No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So now as we take a look at what the betting lines, I mean you're in Las Vegas, so we've got to talk a little bit of gambling and we're, you know, in Kansas, so we got to talk about it there too. And uh, this line started with San Francisco by about a point. It's moved up just a little bit to about a point and a half or two, depending on which book you go to. So the money's clearly on San Francisco's side, but not solidly on San Francisco's side. Is that expected to change? And we've also talked about the Chiefs loving the role of underdog. Is it good for them to go into this into this game is two point
7: dogs i'll just tell you right now like i you know like bet on your own accord if Patrick mahomes is getting points take the money line with the chiefs he is 10 one and one against the spread when an underdog wow. okay so <laughs> uh that's pretty good if he gets points you're likely to win that bet and and, and he's he wins 80 percent of the games that he's an underdog too so yeah i feel great about the fact i thought at first the line was going to move because it came so close to the chiefs before But what's happened here in the last three – this is three straight rounds. Sharp money, so professional gamblers, they were on the Bills, they were on the Ravens, and they're putting all their big money, once again, on the 49ers. And so that's why the line has just stayed where it is. The public keeps winning on Patrick Mahomes on this one, which is funny. Normally you would think it goes the other way. But because all of the big money, like the professional gamblers, have been baiting the Chiefs this entire postseason. So, no, I think by kickoff the line should be about where it is now. I'd, I'd be surprised if it moved.
3: Take us through Super Bowl Sunday from when you guys get started in the morning, the stuff that we don't see and the stuff during the broadcast that we don't get to hear and see.
7: Yeah, it's um, the the sea of people stuff like you can get those aerial shots. But, man, it is hard to put in perception how much you have to coordinate just to go anywhere. So, like, we'll go to the game and we'll probably be there four hours early. But you still got to, like, get down to the hotel, take a, you know, you got to. Take a shuttle to get into this particular media area. And then there are, I'm not kidding, like, you know, I can't show you my badge because the NFL get mad at me. Uh But there are, I got to scan this badge. And by the way, I got to scan this badge 30 times just to get into the stadium. And how about this? It's changed a little bit now. It used to be that they would like make you, it's all facial recognition. I picked up my credential. They just scanned my face and they were like, yeah, this one's yours. You're good. Like, oh God. (laughs) I was like, they used to have to show an ID to get this thing. So there's just, it's a lot. Like, I think any time, if, like, if you're a fan and you've got the money and you can come down to the ticket, just give yourself extra time for all of it. Give yourself extra time to get down to the stadium. Give yourself extra time to get in, to go anywhere. Like, that way you can kind of fully experience and not ever feel like you're rushed. Have you, speaking
4: of experience, have you had a non-football experience that's noteworthy so far while you've been in Vegas, or has everything been focused so much on the game?
7: God, we've been so busy. Well, I keep getting into it with the security guy at the hotel because we got packages coming here and he hates me for it. Good. So I don't know why. I don't know what I'm doing there. We're going to post a video here. I think we just did on Twitter and I'll post it on a couple of others. Last night, we decided, because like we finally had a little bit of time. So all three of us took a hundred bucks and we challenged ourselves to 30 minutes. We're like, all right, whoever can make the most money, let's see who could do the best. So that stuff will kick up. And then tonight, we've got an extra two hour show on our station from Circa Swim. So like, if you haven't seen it, it is a massive sports book across. So we'll get into more trouble as the week goes on. We
3: haven't figured out what yet, but don't worry. boy! Hey, boss, don't listen. Don't listen there. <laughs> um, so we've talked to several listeners who are going to Las Vegas, but don't plan on spending the money to go to the game, but just plan to be yeah. in Las Vegas for the experience and the excitement. What advice do you have for them? Are there, again, has Las Vegas kind of built up for that, for the people that are there, but not going to the game? Yeah, always. So I would say there's normally, I'd say there's typically about five that are really good where
7: you know you can go there and you are going to be amongst cheese fans, which is the point. You want to go down there and you want to be amongst fans just like you. And again, where we talked about, like the thing that makes Vegas great for this is, what do you think you're going to be short on places to go to watch the game with a big crowd of people? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, absolutely not. Find a spot where it's going to be amongst the people. I think it's fun to be in a city that wins it with other people like I get it everybody can't afford a Super Bowl ticket I think the cheapest ticket to get in is maybe like six grand seven grand so most people can't afford to go to that I can't afford to go to that game sure I have to take my immediate credential but <laughs> um I think it's it's great I I don't blame fans for doing it I think the first time I was there that was something I didn't understand I'm like let's just go to be in the city but because there's you know like on Saturday there's always like a big Chiefs rally and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who go to those things because they all want to just be where the chiefs might win it hoping. And by the way, this year might be great for that because normally there's like a, ho- a party at the team hotel. Okay. The team hotel is going to be in a casino. They're going to put them somewhere near there. And if you can't tell me that some of those guys, if they win the super bowl, aren't going to be down playing the blackjack table, the NFL's got rules against you betting before the game. Technically right after the game, the season is over and it, doesn't matter anymore
4: and you got a bunch of football <laughs> players in las vegas yeah absolutely
7: who just got a super bowl bonus man Co- so,
4: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> a little bit extra yep. cash cody tap again with us from 610 sports and cody i've just got one last for you break down the enemy for us a little bit we've heard nothing but coverage of the chiefs here which of course we have but what do we need to be concerned about with the san francisco
7: 49ers a lot like the ravens top five defense top five offense all year so they're loaded and they can play they What I think is the mistake is people want to be like the 49ers have the most talented offense in anybody, which is correct from a skill position perspective. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. But when you factor in the quarterback, so if I take the Chiefs five, I'd say Pacheco, Rice, Kelsey, Mahomes. When you factor in Mahomes and Purdy, that's where I think things even up. They got more offensive talent. There's no doubt. They got more skill position players. Fine. But when you add in the quarterback, Mahomes has now played in his fourth Super Bowl in five years. Brock Purdy hasn't even started. I mean, I think he started like 25 NFL games. So this could still be a big stage for them. Their scariest part is they're good on defense. They've been weaker in the postseason. They're playing worse defense. But offensively, they're, they're, they got a lot of weapons. So you got to pick and choose who you're going to stop.
3: And I'll just throw in really quick. How is this going to be different than the last time? How is the rematch going to be different than when these two went at it last time? What's funny, both teams probably only have
7: five to seven players who are on the team. NFL is like – it's not baseball. Four years ago is a long time in the NFL. The names I've mentioned, Kelsey, Mahomes, Kittle, I, those are, like, really it. Other than that, hell, San Francisco didn't have the same starting quarterback right. as they did the last time these two teams faced. So there's a there's a sizable difference between these two teams. The coaching is what makes it the same. These are two of the top five coaches in the NFL. So I would expect both of them to have a great plan going into it.
4: Yeah, no doubt. Well, Cody Tap, have yourself a wonderful time for the rest of the week as much as you get some time to kind of look around and enjoy things. And thank you so much for carving out a couple of minutes for us here on the program today. We'll look forward to seeing you when you get back to, back to town next week.
3: Of course. Thanks for having me. Have fun. All right. We'll be back in just a few minutes on KMBZ. Quick note from the National Weather Service that they just posted up on Twitter. Uh, they say heads up. They've already seen a couple of grass and brush fires around the region today. Warm temperatures, low humidity, gusty winds equals rapid fire growth. Don't burn outside today if and it, you were thinking about doing it. And
4: it's going to be dry for a while. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind when it comes to things like, oh, I don't know, fireworks. If you had the chance to blow them off you know, over the next couple of days, might want to rethink yeah. that.
3: Yeah. All right, we have a sad update on a story that we talked about for quite a while at this time yesterday uh, about the wreck that happened allegedly because of the pothole on 23rd Street Trafficway. Um, this was this was Monday, where you had an SUV that was trying to avoid a pothole and ended up doing you know the back and forth thing, and was hit by a Ford F-150 truck broadside. There was a seven-year-old girl that was in the back seat. She was hit broadside um, and initially was in critical condition. Fox 4 just posted this update um, saying the family has told Fox 4 that she was on uh, life support for several days after the crash. After multiple tests showing no brain activity, she was declared dead this morning. Uh, She will be an organ donor.
4: Yeah, it just the worst possible outcome for this story and the worst decision that any parent could ever have to make. We had seen late last night that what you what you just mentioned about her showing no brain activity. And at that point, there's little left to do. They're doing exactly the right thing. I mean, she's going to donate her organs and that's going to be the end. But just absolutely ripped apart by this. It's terrible.
3: Uh, Her name was Tyler Dildine. Her mom was injured, too, and the driver of the F-150 was also critically injured. There is a GoFundMe page that has been set up for Tyler's mother. Uh, She has a potentially broken pelvis and other health issues. I want to go to um, the bottom of this Fox 4 story about this pothole. So uh, MoDOT put up a bunch of traffic cones around that pothole after this wreck so that now it would be more obvious. On Wednesday, MoDOT said a likely water main break will need to be repaired before the potholes can be filled. A spokesperson for Kansas City said, they don't have any water mains or ground pipes in the area.
4: Okay, that's comforting. Yeah, the fact that we can't seem to get our story straight about what it was that caused the pothole. Now, as we've mentioned before, there are plenty of potholes that have nothing to do with water main breaks that are cropping up all over the city. So it wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't surprise me if this was just a naturally occurring event.
3: Um, I, Gosh, we don't even have enough time today. But we took calls for quite a while yesterday about the problems that we are having with potholes. And I, I, I hate to put it this way. But now you've had a child die as a result. So will this do it? Like, is this enough to get cruising gear?
4: Yeah, start cranking up the number of people that are out there and how quickly we're getting these things not just cordoned off, but filled.
3: And, and again, if you're in Kansas City, every government has their own method for how you can report. Just look it up. But for Kansas City, it's 311. Call and let them know that there are potholes there. And I just, I can't say this enough. Go slowly because you never know where they're gonna be. You never know when suddenly they're going to appear.
4: And let me add to that, leave space. Oh yeah. I know we hate to do that, and it's not a matter of tailgating, but the more space you leave between you and the car in front of you, the more warning you're gonna get that that pothole's on the way.
3: So um, again, the GoFundMe is up. They're looking to raise 10 grand. It's at about $2,500 right now. Um, It just, this is the worst version of this story. When you hit a pothole, You do everything you can to avoid it. You're hit by another car, and then a child dies.
4: I just, I hope she never knew what happened.
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right, that does it for a Thursday show. Uh, We'll turn this over to Dana Parks, and we'll be back to wrap the week tomorrow here on KMBZ.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours